What's up, everybody? It's your girl, your auntie, your favorite singer-songwriter, your favorite political commentator, your crazy cousin from the country, Music Truth, and you're listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of Truth 101, Our World Through Chocolate Lenses, the show where we dive into any and everything until we get to the bottom of it, where we get to the bottom of everything from politics and pop culture to why we still don't have McDonald's money. Y'all, I'm so excited about today's show. Anyone that knows me personally knows that I am a millennial who is also a diehard funketeer. I love it. From the heavy bass lines to the brass wall of horns to charismatic band leaders to the loud costumes and props. Yes, philosophies, other world motifs. All of that is Afrofuturism, which is an integral part of classic funk and still pops up today in other conscious genres like neo-soul and conscious hip-hop. So without further ado, y'all, I've been waiting to do this show. Today's show is all about Afrofuturism in music. We'll explore the origins, elements, and motifs of this particular aesthetic. So let's define some terms here. According to Lexico's online dictionary, powered by Oxford, Afrofuturism is, quote, a movement in literature, music, art, etc., featuring futuristic or science fiction themes which incorporate elements of black history and culture, end quote. This term was first coined in 1993 by Mark Derry, a cultural critic and author who asked the very central question of, quote, can a community whose past has been deliberately rubbed out and whose energies have subsequently been consumed by the search for legible traces of its history, imagine possible futures, end quote. This work, however, was further explored by researcher, writer, and sociologist Alondra Nelson. And Alondra Nelson, she catapulted the studies and iterations on Afrofuturism by creating, one, the first online community dedicated to it in 1998, lecturing and contributing to a panoply of writings and commentary on the subjects and theories derived from and in contribution to Afrofuturism. Get into her, y'all, at uh, alondranelson.com. It's literally spelled exactly how it sounds. She is alive and with us and continuing the work of social science and research on topics that matter to us. Now, as you've probably gathered, uh, Afrofuturism is a very broad topic, so I've chosen to dive uh, a bit into the musical cleavage only, although it includes everything from literature by the likes of Black dystopian and sci-fi writers, such as Octavia Butler and Samuel R. Delaney. It includes depictions in art and film. For instance, Nigerian visual artist Fatima Tugar, she explores the implications of technology on society and culture. Or Hebrew Brantley's Nevermore theme park exhibit in Chicago that was recently rolled out last year, and it features his comic character, a little black boy named Flyboy. 
or, you know, consider the ways in which Afrofuturism has been reflected in mainstream comics as well. You've got DC and Marvel, Green Lantern, Black Panther, these, et cetera. These are examples, you know, um, and it even touches fashion. You know, you think about the costumes that you would see in the 70s depicting Egyptian royalty, everything from Earth, Wind, and Fire. You would see them wearing costumes that were just really loud and boisterous. So they would be depicting very wild, extraterrestrial in their ways of, of dress back then. So as you've gathered, it's a lot, honey, and we're not, we're not going to do all that. <laughs> we're not going to be able to cover all of that. Uh, we could do a three-part series, but baby, we only get 10 episodes in this season. So you're going to have to pick and choose. Uh, if you do want the other parts, you know, if we dive into literature and art, specifically in regards to Afrofuturism, just inbox me and we can talk it over, child, but I don't know. So for that reason, we're just going to keep it light and hopefully I'll ignite an interest that drives you to unearth a bit more around this topic. So let's get into the origins and elements of Afrofuturism. And I don't think you can talk about Afrofuturism without acknowledging its connection to ancient African civilizations, for one, but also the nation of Islam. And I'm going to spend a moment on that because it's important to really talk about the roots from which these ideas came from here in the United States. When we get into the 60s and 70s and the bands that are coming out during that time, we need to talk about the atmospheres that they came out of and influences. So the NOI has influenced Afrofuturism in that it's one of the first sectarian religions that centers Black people, Black empowerment, and projects us into another plane where technology is acknowledged and leveraged right at the origins of mankind. And the reason I'm making this distinction is because according to the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad of the Nation of Islam, members are taught to interpret Ezekiel's vision. Many Christians know this as the, quote, wheel in the middle of the wheel parable, I guess you could say, as a UFO called the mother wheel. And this comes from Ezekiel chapter one, verses 15 through 18. Child, I'm not going into all of that. I won't go deeper into it, but the point is the idea of a UFO operating above us as an integral part of religious teachings where black people are centered and empowered is in fact an example of Afrofuturism. Now, let's get into some characteristics that define and then ease into the musical artists who have exemplified these characteristics. So at the core of Afrofuturism is a desire to respond to some of the themes that are essential to the African diaspora and explore them through technology and science fiction, equal rights, empowerment, history, self-determination, etc. You see what Western history would consider revisionist forms of the accepted narrative that were typically taught in school. Afrofuturist artists, for instance, writers and creators, they could illustrate their own world and create their own set of norms and truths once centered and placed against a backdrop of mystical, magical, and extraterrestrial. So as a result, we get music that explores the following. Space, otherworldly, the mothership, UFOs, advanced technology, willing of the elements, women's empowerment, black empowerment, and is Afro-centered. 
Now, when you get into funk music and fusion jazz music, you start to see some of these themes come alive. Many of these artists created a subculture within music itself. So funk motifs, for instance, if you have ever followed George Clinton, born in Kannapolis, North Carolina, whoop, whoop, and raised in Plainfield, New Jersey. Once again, that connection to where he was in New Jersey and around a lot of the influence and strong membership of the members of Nation of Islam. He was influenced by proximity just based on where he grew up, and he acknowledges that. So when you listen to George Clinton and you follow Parliament Funkadelic, The Brides of Funkenstein, Parlette, Bootsy Collins, Bernie Worrell, Eddie Hazel, tell I could go on and on, and you recognize some of the themes and motifs at play as a part of P-Funk mythology. So George Clinton, he created P-Funk mythology, and that was first introduced on the album Funkadelic in 1970. If you've listened to a lot of their songs, many of the key themes of Afrofuturism come through, and uh, these themes are what make P-Funk mythology in terms of George Clinton and the offshoots that went on to go solo from those bands. So for instance, P-Funk wants to get funked up. That is a, that is a key song right there. And for instance, the W-E-F-U-N-K that is mentioned in that song is a radio station broadcasting from outer space mm-hmm, down to CC, which is what they called uh, CC. He would say, you know, CC, are you down there? Can you hear me? He's talking. And CC stands for Chocolate City, which we know that Chocolate City is another name for Washington, D.C. So here you have a radio station placed in outer space speaking directly to Chocolate City. Another uh, element of P-Funk mythology is the Mothership Connection. This literally is an album title, but if you've ever gone to one of their shows, you're going to see a spaceship. You're going to see it. <laughs> if, if George Clinton was still doing it the old way they used to do it, he's calmed down a lot now, but they would have the mothership on stage. And at some point during the concert, you're going to call down the mothership when you get on the one, which is that downbeat. It's supposed to be a unifying measure. Another element of P-Funk mythology you're going to hear is Star Child. You'll hear uh, Sir Nose, the Pinocchio Theory. Dr. Funkenstein. One of the albums was called A Motor Booty Affair, and that takes that entire album, it takes place underwater in Atlantis. It's this idea of a black microcosm, and it's projecting us into another world. And then also you have my favorite, one of my favorite songs is Bop Gun. It basically weaponizes music as a means of addressing social disparities. And so here you have George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic, his band, and they are addressing issues and they are speaking directly to members of the black community and they are projecting us into another world. Now, what George Clinton did was he created a cast of characters, motifs and philosophies that would pop up in his music. So you would see these things in album covers. Uh, stage decor, honey, they had pyrotechnics, things just blowing up. There was a man on stage with a diaper on. <laughs> These motifs and elements of P-Funk mythology would pop up in their lyrics as well. And it created a complete following and cult-like appeal you know, from visuals and, and theories, which can only now be described as the musical origins of Afrofuturism. 
Now, when you get into jazz fusion, it often carried similar themes without relying on the lyrics to convey the message. So in the late 1960s and 70s, the avant-garde and complex sounds of fusion jazz paired with the album art, costumes and colors depicting faraway places embodied the free thinking and loose musical constraints that only improv jazz can do. The reverberating echoes of Miles Davis's muted horn and Bitches Brew, the strike of Alice Coltrane's harp, Herbie Hancock on the synths, John Coltrane's sax floating and panning from one ear to the other, or the electric cacophony that is Sun Ra. These all propelled us into an age of unpredictable sounds that somehow worked together and made a masterpiece. Now, when I think of Afrofuturism in jazz, I have to talk about Sun Ra because his story is just so interesting, but then his contributions to jazz are completely unmatched. Sun Ra, according to sfjazz.org's article by Rusty Aceves, entitled We Travel the Space Wave, Afrofuturism in Music, the author references an interview with George Clinton where he was once asked about Sun Ra, and his response was, yeah, Sun Ra's out to lunch, same place I eat, quote, unquote. So let's talk a little bit about Sun Ra, who he is, where he came from, what he believed, and how it is that he is considered the father, really, of Afrofuturism. So born Herman Poole Blount in Birmingham, Alabama in 1914, by the 40s, he changed his name to Sun Ra, and that was a nod to the Egyptian sun god. And he completely denied and cut ties with his former identity. If you would ask him in interviews anything about his childhood or growing up or what his name was, he would not acknowledge it at all. So Sun Ra, at this point in time, he now claimed to be an alien from Saturn, sent to bring peace to the world. And he was serious about it. And people listened when he spoke. He was not only uh, a gifted keyboardist and, and band leader, he was a poet and numerologist. Uh, his philosophy derived from many belief systems, including everything from Freemasonry to Black nationalism and numerology, etc. So if you get the time, take the time to just go on YouTube and uh, you can find a lot of his full albums um, right there on YouTube. Symbols is a great album. Uh, the Nubians of Plutonia, as well as his 1974 film, Space is the Place. And this is a really interesting film. For me, one thing that really stuck out to me was how the film opens up. And it opens up with Sun Ra walking through the forest of another world. He's dressed as an ancient Egyptian royalty. As he comes to an open area, Sun Ra voices what many would consider the clarion call, so to speak, of Afrofuturism. And he says the following, The music is different here. The vibrations are different, not like planet Earth. Planet Earth sounds of guns, anger, frustration. There was no one to talk to upon planet Earth who'd understand. We set up a colony of black people here. See what they can do with the planet of their own. He goes on to say, It will affect their vibrations for the better will bring them here through isotope teleportation, or better still, teleport the whole planet here through music, end quote. These are the origins of Afrofuturism in music. 
and how they express this philosophy and idea that we could transport ourselves to another place in time. Often reflecting both dystopia and utopia, Afrocentered, advanced, and grooving. It's still here. Uh, we see Afrofuturism brought forward through the works of Erica Badu, for instance, her album New America Volume 1. That whole first intro is an ode to funk and Afrofuturism. It is a funk tune that is playing and it, it's depicting folks running toward and, uh, the, the mothership. <laughs> There's chaos and they're getting on board and they're talking about science and so forth. And that's what's happening in that particular intro skit. And she continues on that album. It's a prolific album. She has a song called Master Teachers that is an ode to the Nation of Islam as well. And that phrase, stay woke, comes from that song, Master Teachers, on this 2008 album. Um, the entire album, you can find it still on Apple, Spotify. You can also find it for free on YouTube. It's New America Volume 1. It dropped in 2008, but it still plays like it dropped yesterday. So that's an example of Afrofuturism included in music. To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar is also an example of Afrofuturism being leveraged in music and brought forward. He uses George Clinton and Bootsy Collins both on that album. And it's really an exploration of himself as a black man and exploring his identity in the music industry, which he personifies and names it Lucy. And it, it just talks about how it's chasing him and how he's dealing with that. But George Clinton and Bootsy Collins aren't just sampled. They're not really sampled. They are there on this particular album. And both To Pimple Butterfly and New America's Volume uh, 1 and Volume 2, actually. Volume 2, you can look at the album art and see kind of an ode to the old Funkadelic and Parliament days. And if you know much about, I'll, I'll go back to Erica Badu for a second here. If you know much about her origins, you can maybe think back to the Soul Aquarians. This particular group included D'Angelo, Common, Bilal, uh, The Roots, Black Thought, Questlove, <sighs> child, am I missing anybody? But anywho, everybody was in this group and they were just known to be very conscious. And what they did was they locked themselves in a studio and started to study the elements that made amazing records. And so not only were they listening to the Beatles, they were also dissecting and analyzing and, and synthesizing uh, Parliament and Funkadelic. So they have a clear and distinct element of influence in terms of Afrofuturism, in terms of funk, and it's shown through and through in neo-soul and conscious hip-hop. So there you have it. Janelle Monet is also an example, a contemporary example, where Afrofuturism is brought forward. Her entire project, Metropolis, it begins a seven-part series of an other world where Miss Monet is an android. <laughs> she is an android, and she has given herself an alter ego. Uh, Cindy Mayweather. And so the songs are made to depict the goings and comings and happenings of that world, very similar to the work that Erica did on New America. And so you see that. And in the story, the journey that Kendrick takes into Pimp a Butterfly. Other artists that have used some form of Afrofuturism, Outcast, Wu Tang. Wu Tang, for instance, they created a whole world, a Shaolin. Um, Staten Island, where they grew up, they refer to it in their songs as Shaolin. 
This is a, a direct influence from black exploitation films of the 1970s and kung fu films of the 1970s. Um, and so they had clear influence and they created another world and had a cast of characters and 511 people on stage, just like <laughs> Parliament Funkadelic. Um, so Solange, a, a tribe called Quest, FKA Twigs, and even the little Panini video by Lil Nas X. That's an example. If you've seen that video, the words don't make much sense, but the video itself is an ode to Afrofuturism. And then lastly, you think again with bringing it forward to films, the 1966 origins that were later depicted in the 2008 film Black Panther. These are all examples of Afrofuturism depicted and carried forward. So as Vox puts it, and I love this quote, Afrofuturism mixes sci-fi and social justice, end quote. So we create a world where the African diaspora is centered as the protagonist, leader, and purveyor. We link ancient African civilizations, and then we hop on a ship and get up out of Dodge. We create a world where we leverage technology and live in a world for us, by us. And Afrofuturism paints that picture of what that utopian world could be. So that's the truth about Afrofuturism and why it inspires us to dream, cultivate, and empower both here on earth and into the stars. Peace, babies. I hope you have a wonderful week and are ready to handle your business. Thank you all for listening and please send me your questions. You can inbox me as always on social media by searching Music Truth on Facebook. That's M-U-S-I-Q Truth, all one word. Be sure to also visit musictruth.com for all services provided under the new Music Truth Entertainment umbrella. We look forward to hearing from you. I'll see you next time. You've been listening to Truth 101, our world through chocolate lenses. Sending your questions, cause knowledge we straight spitting and dying. You got questions, we got answers, ain't no use pretending. Chop it up, talk it out, knowledge we straight dripping. This is Truth 101, our world, chocolate.